Father God, Lord Jesus Christ, we are here this morning to praise you, to praise you and thank you for the gift you have given us. Our praise is not because we have to, our praise is not because we are slaves to you. Our praise is because we love you, Father, and we love you, Lord Jesus Christ. We have seen what you've given us. We know that without you, we are nothing. So we bow in humble adoration and lift our hearts to you. Amen. So a warm welcome to you all. Um, i just got to say it's been a stressful morning this morning. Already this morning I've had the AA out to start the car. I've swapped computers, realising there's a switch to the back which haven't been turned on. So it's been a stressful morning. <laughs> but whatever else has gone before, we come here to rest in God's presence, knowing that those kind of things don't really matter. It's great to welcome visitors. With all the stress, I've not been able to get around and and, uh, collect names to give you a a personal welcome, but it is really great to see everyone who's visiting us. Ooh, thank you. Um, And I'd like to do the the care news now, which Elaine has prepared for us. Uh, Rob Mills has been in touch this week. He says he's doing okay but he's convinced that his tumour's returned. He says that all his medical team are working towards a positive outcome for him, and he says he hopes to be at church in the next few weeks. We pray for Rob and for his medical team who are treating him. Sam Green is currently in hospital in Birmingham after being admitted on Wednesday with a burst appendix. Um, He's had surgery to remove his appendix, and he's recovering in hospital and receiving antibiotics. Uh, We pray for Sam and all the family, especially uh, after a difficult few weeks. Um, Pam's funeral is on Wednesday at Worcester Crematorium at 11.30. If you intend to go, um, please could you let a member of the family know for catering purposes. And we think of you all on Wednesday. Uh, Nathan May has had his knee operation postponed uh, for four to six weeks. And we pray that he'll get through those weeks in as little pain as possible. Gladys has had her cataract operation and is doing well. And we remember also those who struggle with issues that may not be mentioned. We know that God knows all of their problems and heartfelt prayers, and we pray that we can show his love to all in our church. We'll pray together now about the names we've mentioned and also the names that aren't mentioned or in our hearts. So I'll start a prayer and um, you can spend some time uh, with God together. Father God, we are a family drawn by you, adopted and taken to your refuge. Lord, of all the names we've, we've thought about in our care news and all the names that are unmentioned, we know you are close. Lord, help us to feel your arms around us when we need to feel them. And as a church family, help us to act in your love. We share our prayers together. this family and help us to grow to know you and to be like our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We are in God's family, adopted by him, and he uh, rests his wings of mercy over us. He guards our hearts and we come into his presence. Let's sing together now, holy overshadowing. 
So over the last few weeks, um, or months actually, Julie had the idea that we were going to declutter the house. And it sounded like a fine idea, so I signed up to it. Little did I know the sinister reality. I was like a lobster in a restaurant fish tank going, oh, this is nice. You see, what it it turns out Gillian means by declutter is get rid of my stuff. (laughs) For example, in my bedroom I had a box underneath underneath the the drawers, and in I kept wires of um, electrical devices, ancient and modern revised. And I knew that if I just kept hold of them, despite the dust that was building on, they would sometimes be just the cable I needed at just the right time. Except they're in the bin. (laughs) And it got me wondering, if we were to apply the same brutal process to our lives, what would be left? If we were to declutter what would be left over, what would we choose to be the really significant things that we couldn't uh, be without? The really important stuff. And as Christians, that should be the stuff that's important to God, because otherwise, uh, what's the point? And in Paul's letter to the Philippians, there's a hymn. It looks, it's the reason, when we read through it in a second, you'll see that the translators have have set it in a different um, format. It's because when they read through it, they thought, this appears to be in the structure of a hymn. And it's a hymn which talks about Jesus, and it reflects on Jesus, on his pattern of life, And I think it tells us what are the really important things and the things in a decluttered life we want to to keep, we want to hang around. And it's really important because Paul finishes the the kind of um, the section by saying that if we're like this, we shine like stars in the universe. If we follow this pattern of life, if we declutter and get down to this, we shine like stars in the universe. And that is an eternal thing. eternal thing and you might be thinking oh well this is going to have the big stuff in it isn't it this is going to have the miracles the healings but actually when we get to it you'll see that this is not the stuff that the television cameras be interested in you're not going to put this on facebook with a selfie of you doing it this is the small stuff but it's the stuff that shines like stars so we're going to read um, philippians chapter 2 I'm going to read from verse 1 to 18, which Angela's going to do. But just before um, Angela moves, every time I read this this passage, I think of an exhortation which Jack gave. And I think he did admit to taking this idea from someone else, perhaps Ernest. So it's a long, sunny idea. But he said that when you read the first few verses of this, this chapter, there's two little words which are really significant. Two tiny words, if and any. So listen out for those. We're going to read Philippians chapter 2. Verse 1 to 18. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, 
but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. As you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour for nothing, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So right, right from the beginning, beginning, Paul sets this up as Christianity is not a take, take, take religion, is it? He says, if you have any encouragement, any comfort, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then do the same. It's a, Christianity is a religion where we follow the example that has been set us. In the film uh, Gladiator, the character played by Russell Crowe, right at the beginning, as he's, sending, he's leading his uh, legions into battle, He's got a catchphrase. Anyone know it? John's got it. That's one of them. <laughs> what we do in life echoes in eternity. That's what, that was the Roman charge. What we do in life echoes in eternity. And Paul is talking about stuff here which echoes in eternity. But the actions that do that are not the things that you'd say are the big things, but the acts of humble service. Our attitude should be that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, And gave him the name which is above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus exalted, but it's on the basis of he humbled himself and became like a servant. 
Of course, the um, opposite of this attitude is selfishness, isn't it? Self-interest, being self-absorbed, um, self-indulgence. So if the acts of humility shine like stars, then if you continue the analogy, the acts of selfishness are like a black hole. Black, I've, I've done a slide of a black hole. It's just, just up there. You can see. Oh, sorry, that's, that's Blackpool at night, so I've got, I've got the slides all the way around. Um, the black hole is not empty. The black hole is actually really full. That's its problem. It's so full that the gravity of it doesn't let any light out. And that's how selfish acts are, aren't they? They clutter up your life. They fill your life with stuff so that no life, no light, no love can be let out. That's the the opposite of what um, Paul is talking about here. Even light can't escape from the selfishness of a black hole. So in the decluttering process, um, Julius said that I had to get rid of half my books. And I looked wistfully into the air, and I said, to choose half my books, it's like tearing away half my soul. (laughs) She looked at me and said, get on with it. (laughs) So I did whittle down my books by half. And if there's one book that was definitely in the half to keep, it was a book called Revolution in the Head. Martin knows this book. This is the book that every Beatles fan should own. Uh, And it tells you, basically, it tells you the story behind every single Beatles song. It tells you who played what, who wrote what, how they recorded it, any glitches in it to listen out for, what the story was behind it. It's the best book ever if you're a Beatles fan. It's the one you must own. So that book definitely has to stay. And when you know the story behind a song, it actually is, it, it makes the song even more interesting. It gives greater depth to it, doesn't it? So it made me think about, well, what's the story behind the Philippians song that we just read? And we're going to suggest an idea to you. It may be wrong. It may be right. Um, but definitely it's on the same theme. So we're going to read the passage which I think maybe this Philippian hymn is, is based on. It's from John chapter 13. And Sylvia's going to read for us verses 1 to 17. The Gospel of John, chapter 13. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel round his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped round him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. 
Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, Not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Thank you, Sylvia. So what I just want to do is point out some of the similarities between this, uh, this passage in John's Gospel and the Philippian hymn. They may not be related, but either way, they definitely, um, they definitely deepen our understanding, I believe. So the first thing is in verse 3 of uh, John 13, you might want to have a little hand in both Philippians and John 13. I'm going to do that right now. So in verse 3 of, uh, of John 13, it says that Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. The parallel in the Philippian hymn there is where it talks about Jesus being in the form of God or in very nature God. And that might seem like a really distancing thing to say. Because if Jesus is like God, then we've got no hope of getting anywhere near Jesus. But I think we should flip that round. It's actually the exact opposite. Jesus is like God, and Jesus is saying, follow me, and you will become like God. He's actually empowering us. This is not a distancing thing. This is actually helping us to latch on to the things which make us uh, to be actually like God, the creator of the universe, to be in step with him. In verse 4 it says, So Jesus got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. The Philippian parallel for that is where it says that Jesus took on the appearance of a servant. He made himself look like a servant. He took his garments off and made himself look uh, like a servant. And so this is the picture of Jesus, nature God in the form of God, getting stuck in. Nothing is too menial. And that, again, is really empowering because it is telling us that the things of God are not out of our reach. They're not distant, aloof things that are way beyond the other side of the clouds, practically. These are real things and that we can really do. You know, last night I watched Dan Carter kick a drop goal from a stupid distance. And I know there is no way in the world I could do that. You could give me a hundred chances and I would not be able to do it. It's beyond my ability. I could not do what he did last night. But this I can do. The things of God I can do. The things that God holds most valuable. So it would normally have been the servant um, who did this. 
And you can probably put yourself in the position of the disciples who are thinking, so we've come in off the streets, now's the bit where we get our feet washed, but no one here to do it. Uh, so let's just wait a little bit of time pass. Someone will step in, won't they? <coughs> a bit more time passes. Oh, really, the, the meal started now, too late. Oh, well. So they sit down, have the meal, and the meal's actually finished when Jesus says, okay, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to take on the appearance of a servant. And I am going to wash your feet for you. And there's a little lesson there for us, isn't there? That whenever the opportunity strikes to act in humble love, take it. Because when the time moves on, someone else might get the chance to do it. And and we've lost the opportunity. The disciples lost the opportunity, probably because they think it was beneath them to serve their Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus flipped it round and served them. In verse uh, 13 of John 13, Jesus says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And in the Philippian hymn, we have every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But what I think is really interesting is that these two aspects of the humble servant and Lord of all, cannot be separated. They're actually interconnected. If you, if you have your finger in the um, Philippian hymn, if you read from verse 8, it says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. These things are deeply connected. It's a bit like saying, is this building a place of worship or is it a youth activity centre? Which one is it exactly? You've got to decide. Well, it's both. And the two are, are, are totally linked together. And it's the same with Jesus. He is Lord because he humbled himself. I looked at a few different versions and that connecting word, therefore, is in three, the three or four versions I checked. They all say, therefore, because Jesus humbled himself, God elevated him and exalted him. So to say, is Jesus a servant or is he a Lord, it's a false question. The two are totally intertwined. And that's why these actions, the humble service, the stuff which doesn't get written about or photographed or the TV cameras aren't interested in, are the stuff that God really values. Because Jesus humbled himself, God exalted him. God lifted him up. And we can follow too. These are the actions that shine like stars in the universe. And of course, Jesus' actions weren't limited to the simple act of washing feet. As the Philippian hymn says, he was obedient even to death on the cross. His humble service took him to the painful, ridiculed, disgusting, spat upon death on a cross. And God made him Lord over all. Uh, Back in in John 13, verse 15, Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. And Paul opens up the hymn by saying, your attitude should be like Christ Jesus. Christianity is not like Britain's Got Talent, where you watch the act come on, you go, oh, very good, nice, yeah, off they go, very good. And you have no interaction with the act apart from say yay or nay. Christianity is about following Jesus. It's about following, the, not the, 
taking the metaphor too far. It's about following that which we uphold and that's what we see as beautiful, taking that and following that pattern. And it's a mind in us, not a rule or a regulation that can be twisted or bent. It's an attitude that is deep down within us as we follow Jesus Christ. And then finally, in verse 17 of John, it says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Paul says, you're going to shine like stars in the universe if you follow this pattern of humble love. God will elevate you. God will lift you up. God sees all the little things that no one else pays attention to. And actually to God, those are the most important things. And that on that basis, he will lift you up. As I was thinking about this, I kept on going back to the phrase, getting down to brass tacks. And I thought that must be a good Yorkshire phrase. So I did a bit of research. And it turns out it's not. It's from um, uh, the American states. And it, they think it comes from haberdashery shops, where to save time, they'd mark brass tacks on the work, workbench at yard. So if someone says, can I have a yard of this cloth? Measure it between the brass tacks, cut it. Two yards, there's another brass tack, cut it there. It's like the fundamental measurement that they always brought things back to. And I think... That does apply to this, what we're talking about. The humble acts of love are the brass tacks of our faith. They're what everything comes back to. They're what God values. And when Jesus gave the ultimate example, um, God raised him up. We are going to break bread and drink wine together in in a few moments' time. But first of all, we're going to sing a couple of songs. The first one is Jesus' name above all names. On the basis of what we've been thinking about today, I want us to really reflect on why Jesus is the name above all names. Because it's not an aristocratic name. It's not a name which carries with it generations of of, um, nobility. It's because he humbled himself. So we'll sing Jesus' name above all names. And then if we have a few um, moments just to reflect on why Jesus is the name above all names, and then we'll sing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Martin is going to give our thanks to the bread. Lord God, we we come again this week to break bread again the same way that many of us have broken bread week after week for for years. But Lord None of us comes to break bread this week in quite the same way that we came last week or the week before or that we'll come next week, God willing. Lord, we're we're different. Different things have happened to us in the last week than in the previous week. Lord, we are changing in different and changing circumstances. But you are the same. You are the same as you have always been. You welcome us. 
you encourage us. You challenge us to be like your son, Jesus. And Lord, as we take this bread, we accept that challenge. That this week, we will be like him. We will humble ourselves as he humbled himself. We will be servants as he was a servant. Lord, that we will show your love in our lives through him. Lord, we take this little piece of bread as a symbol, as a reminder that you are the same, that you are with us, and that you don't send us out on a journey of faith and discipleship, but that you accompany us on that journey and equip us for the road. Lord, wherever we are this week, in whatever circumstance, I pray, Lord, that we will be aware of your presence. And we pray, Lord, that that will equip us to be your servants. And we ask this prayer, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus' service didn't stop at washing his disciples' feet, but it took him to the cross where his body was broken for us. God of love, in our own eyes, so often we see ourselves as damaged goods. We gather chaos around ourselves as we stumble through life. We drag regrets, actions that we're not proud of, behaviour we wish we could take back, things that may be hard to see in a mirror. We're so easy at deceiving ourselves perhaps worst of all Lord we compare ourselves to each other to other people to to people we judge in our heads and we don't reach out and we don't show the love and the care in the same way you showed it to us. But Lord, in your eyes, you see us as perfect. Through our washing in the blood of Jesus. Lord, we share this wine, this symbol, 
of Jesus' blood. And think of it washing us clean. The ultimate in decluttering of our lives, of our heads, of our thoughts, of our regrets, of the baggage that we've pulled around behind us. It clears us of our junk. It clears us of our dust, of our excess rubbish. And it cleans us up, Lord. Jesus, you said to your followers that they were salt and light in this world. Maybe salt to bring the flavour. And as we taste the flavour of this wine, maybe help us to think of the taste of the new covenant, the taste of your kingdom that we're to bring into this world. And the light, the shine, the gleam, this washing in your blood, Jesus, polishes us up. It makes us gleam. It shines us up like stars. Heavenly Father, I pray that this wine will have a profound and lasting effect on us to change us, to change us permanently to be more like Jesus. Loving Father, be that driving force, be that energy within us, shine in us shine through us so that we too shine like stars thank you Lord on his life for his friends In his, one of his letters, he writes a verse which I think just encapsulates the ideas that we've been thinking about. 1 John 3, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Following that pattern, shining like stars, we shall be like him. Almighty creator of all life, our loving and merciful Heavenly Father. Immeasurable beyond beauty and value is the privilege of having been invited and called by you to enter your presence and walk upon the path of life with you and our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We have sung this morning, Lord, that the storms rage around us. And we know from our natural and personal experience that every day, every week, every month, every year, the storms of human challenge rage around us. Sometimes they are 
gentle showers, but other times they turn into tempests, and tempests turn into floods and weak destruction. So help us, Lord, as we've been exhorted this morning, help us to, in those occasions, not lose sight of your presence, but to seek for your strong arms to be around us, to help us and to support us that we are not destroyed in the floods of humanity. Help us always to value what we have heard this morning, that in the process of decluttering our own minds and consciences, we might have the courage and the humility to be honest, at least with ourselves, and to rid ourselves where necessary of the weaknesses of pride and arrogance and self-righteousness, sometimes of lust and greed and envy and nasty thoughts. Help us to be honest enough to get rid of this because they do us no good. They are just burdens and weights that destroy us and bring us down. That the only hope for all of us is in the light of your presence and in the beauty of your word and wisdom which created the world and will create your kingdom throughout the universe. Help us therefore that as we go from this place we will merely leave the building but we shan't leave the remembrance of what we have attended to. We shall take the remembrance of the bread and wine with us. We shall always call upon it and that you will always be there to help us. And so as we finally thank you for all things, we say a prayer for the world that in the same way that we have been invited to your presence and to the brightness of stars in the universe, There are those in the world but also will see that light and come to Jesus and come to your presence and improve their lives. And we pray also for that improvement that it will come, that you will send the Messiah to make all things new and fulfill and continue the purpose that you started from the beginning of time and we know that will definitely be finished in due course. Hear our prayer, we pray. Forgive our weaknesses, accept our thanks. In the name of Jesus. Amen.